Hello, and welcome to the Proper Dictation Podcast. My name is Christian. My name is Hannah. And my name is Johanna. Today we'll be talking about the topic of mental health, which is heavily pushed in the story A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. We'll talk about the main character, Blanche Dubois, who suffers from PTSD and struggles with her mental health, society's perception of mental health during the late 1940s, where the story takes place, and how society today sees and treats mental health. Our first segment is about Blanche Dubois in the book A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. In the story, Blanche visits her sister Stella and explains what happened to their home as well as revealing more of her troubled past. She witnessed her family die and her plantation being taken away, leaving her homeless. Sometime later, she finds out her husband is a homosexual and witnesses his suicide. She believes that the death of her family is her fault. To avoid her trauma and her past, she sees herself living in a fantasy world. She sleeps with different men and drinks a lot of alcohol to escape reality. By ignoring her past, Blanche pushes herself deeper into a pit of despair. Meanwhile, Stella and her husband, Stanley, don't have the resources to help her. When she shows her sadness, Stella pushes it away casually while Stanley gets upset at Blanche's actions. Blanche's breaking point comes when Stanley physically assaults her and convinces Stella to send her to a mental asylum. Throughout the story, Blanche suffered from PTSD over the deaths of her loved ones. When she reached out for help, no one could offer support because back in the 1940s, mental health was seen as a problem that could only be solved by extreme measures. There weren't many therapists to go to, and every day citizens weren't taught about mental health. It wasn't seen as important as it is now. A thing that can be taken away from the story is the importance of treating mental health. Stanley and Stella weren't taught ways to help Blanche with her trauma, which caused them to lose their family member to an asylum. If they were informed, Blanche could have gotten better and been with her family. There are easier ways to treat people in despair, although they may take time, having support can help people get through their trauma. Nowadays, we see that there are many treatments and ways to help people who are suffering from mental illnesses and traumas they've been through in their lifetime. We have more options on ways we want to treat these illnesses and people, and, now, and people take this more seriously. But let's talk about how mental health was viewed and treated in the early 50s. Many people had different opinions on how mental health was treated and what treatments they used. People who suffered from mental health problems, whether it was physical or mental problems, were unfit to live independently. Most of them were sent to mental institutions. Some hospitals started offering different types of treatments, but there were no laws or rules that limited how far doctors could experiment or give treatments to patients who suffered from these mental problems. Some scientists and doctors were able to test new drugs on patients and sometimes on themselves and the safety of the patients were not prioritized. People went into these hospitals after suffering traumas and having doctors test new drugs on them only increased their, their illnesses and problems. Something they used was lobotomy, a surgical procedure where a man where a metal was inserted into the brain. This was supposed to help patients who suffered from hallucinations and temper issues. People had different opinions on this method. Some thought it was helpful and it cured people from the illnesses who suffered, but there was no evidence that this was actually helpful and there was actual evidence that it actually harmed people. Some people were not the same in their emotions, personalities, or left them in concerning conditions. That's why people had different opinions on this method, 
but this was not the only thing they had to offer. They also had therapy in some cases, but it wasn't always helpful. But now we can see how mental health was treated differently back then. While we as a society have become more learned on the subject of mental illness, and as the discussion of the topic has become prevalent over the years in mainstream media, there is still heavy prejudice and stigmatism that pervades our society today. More than half of people with mental illness don't seek help for their disorders. In fact, they avoid or delay treatment out of concern for being treated differently or losing their jobs and livelihood. The public still defines those with mental illness as dangerous, inept, unpredictable, or responsible for their own affliction, even when it's out of their own control. Culture and race also heavily affect people's perception of mental health. Some Asian families believe that seeking help for mental health rebuffs cultural values of a strong family, emotional restraint, and avoiding shame. Many cultures consider mental illness a result of supernatural or religious forces. Still, even as science becomes more and more advanced, and others believe that mental illness is the result of an unsound body. Many African American communities distrust the health care system, which is why they will impede aid. Overview of media and print have identified three types of attitudes in regards to mental disorders. Fear and exclusion, authoritarianism, or the idea that those with severe mental disabilities are irresponsible, so life decisions must be made for them, and benevolence. In some cases, that can be infantilizing. These stereotypes are only perpetuated, especially the conventionalization of those suffering from mental illness being violent people, despite the fact that research has proven people with mental illness are far, far more likely to be victims than perpetrators, by media and films such as Joker 2020 and The Silence of the Lambs 1991. Half of workers were found to be hesitant to discuss mental health issues in the workplace and one of three were fearful of retaliation or being fired if they sought out mental health care. There's this fear that employers may not hire those undergoing mental health problems or landlords may not rent to them, or the health care system may offer a lower standard of care, resulting in unintended and intended loss of opportunity. Additional harmful effects also include reduced hope, lower self-esteem, increased psychiatric symptoms, difficulties with social relationships, and induced social isolation. Furthermore, after the deinstitutionalization of psychiatric hospitals in the 1950s, U.S. jails and prisons have become the new asylums, with over half of those in jails being diagnosed with mental illness and a third in prison. This is due to America's war on drugs and tough on crime policies, which propelled incarceration to record levels. The intolerance of drug-related crimes made those with mental disorders particularly vulnerable, as about three-quarters of those emerged with mental illness also typically have a substance use disorder. The idea was to prevent more large-scale crime by cracking down on smaller-level offenses. Furthermore, those with mental illness rarely escape incarceration. Judges have repeatedly said that they fear releasing those with mental illness lest they end up on the front page of a newspaper. 
Things aren't all bad though. Newscast outlets can now write articles like how to talk about mental health issues at work or mental health check-in, 14 questions to ask your child without it being some taboo subject. Mental health is now being associated with common conditions like anxiety and depression instead of severe debilitating ones. And there is now an overall understanding of mental health of falling under the bracket of overall health. A whole array of different things have triggered the snowball effect of mental health awareness, such as TV dramas like This Is Us, social media, where a number of people have told their stories with the hashtag mental health stories, and perhaps most influential of all, a mountain of clinical research. When someone goes through heart trauma, it's important to have someone who can listen to them and give them the support they need. If we don't help the people we care about, we may lose them as a result. Shrikar gave readers an insight into PTSD and how damaging mental health can be if not treated. The story portrayed how regular people saw mental health and how little they could do to help those in need. Today, there are many sources that people can turn to, as well as grown awareness of mental health. We in this podcast wanted to bring the message forward about mental health from a streetcar named Desire and provide history to how it used to be seen versus how it is now. The mental health of humans is very important for our lives, and knowing how to help can prevent family or friends from being taken away, or worse, hurting themselves. Thank you for turning into our podcast. My name is Christian. My name is Hannah. My name is Johanna. Thank you for listening.